0: Good morning, good morning, good morning. This is Faye Horton, and I sell Medicare plans. Welcome to our podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where Medicare sales professionals come to hone their skills and learn the facts and the tips that will help them to sell more Medicare plans. This morning, I am so blessed to have with me Rebecca Davis, who is the CEO and the owner of her agency, Cannonball Insurance Solutions. Rebecca has been in the insurance business for almost eight years, but has focused primarily on Medicare sales for the last four years. She's going to talk to us about grassroots marketing. That's the title and the focus of our episode this morning. So let me welcome Rebecca. Good morning,
1: Rebecca. Good morning, Fay. Thank you so much for having me today.
0: You are so welcome. I am so happy that you were able to take a few minutes out of your busy busy schedule just to share with our listeners grassroots marketing.
1: Well, I'm excited to be here.
0: It seems that that's a focus of yours and you really, really enjoy doing that. Is that true?
1: Absolutely. It's my favorite part of the business. Oh, wonderful. Let me
0: ask you, um, are you a coffee or tea person?
1: I'm a coffee with cream and sugar or a chocolate, mocha, Starbucks, whatever.
0: <laughs> oh, you go all the way. All I, all the way. <laughs> so do you have a favorite Starbucks where they know you and they know your order and you just pull up and get it?
1: Years ago, yes, but I've actually weaned myself a little bit from the Starbucks because it was turning into a very bad habit. So I bought a chair a machine and now I kind of make my own in the office.
0: I know. I was like that. I had um, uh, an order that included a muffin, a special muffin. So every day that was about seven bucks. And then I realized, you know what? You could buy the Starbucks ground coffee and make this at home and save some of this money. So you're absolutely right. It can become very expensive. So where did you grow up, Rebecca?
1: I actually grew up in Southern California in a small town called Wildemar. It's about an hour between L.A., San Diego, the beach, and the slopes. Oh,
0: wow. You So you were able to enjoy both the cold
1: and the heat, huh? I did. I wasn't much of a skier. I don't have very good balance. I much prefer the beach. <laughs> okay. Well, now that you are
0: in Texas, you kind of have some of both hot and cold.
1: I do. I've been in Texas about 20 years now, and uh, there's nothing like Texas weather. Let me tell you, wait five minutes, it'll change. (laughs) So now that
0: you're in Texas, uh, tell us about your business and where it's located and how did you decide to form your own agency?
1: Well, we're in Stephenville, Texas. I have a brick and mortar building here uh, called Cannonball Insurance, just like you stated. Um, I originally got my start with State Farm, and after working with State Farm for about four years and learning the ropes on PNC and life and health, I gravitated towards the health side and was introduced to Medicare by another colleague. you know, took right to it and really thought that that's where I saw my career going. So I left State Farm to go independent and uh, been independent for the last four years and, you know, started out slow. And, and here we are today with, uh, we own our own building about 4,000 square feet and um, we own our space and I'm proud of that. And it's been a fun ride.
0: That's wonderful. About how many agents do you have now?
1: Well, I have uh, myself and three other girls actually in the office. I'm actually looking to add a couple more. And then I have about, I'm starting to lose counts. I think somewhere between 20 and 25 out in the field.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. You've really grown that business. And we're all in the great position to know that you decided to grow that business with Medicare sales. So, hoorah for you. That's great. What are your hobbies? What do you do to relax?
1: <laughs> it took me a while to figure this out because my hobbies are my kid and my work. <laughs> um, oh. But recently, uh, my husband and I, we put a saltwater aquarium here in the office, and we've been playing with that with corals and fish, and we're actually getting quite into it. So I'll even say that for now. Um Okay. As far as relaxing, like I said earlier, I'm a beach lover, Send me to the beach and put an umbrella drink in my hand and I'm good.
0: Okay. Is there something on your bucket list that you haven't accomplished or something that you really want to do in the near future?
1: Um, you know, I have lots of things I want to do. I mean, travel, see the world. I've seen a lot of it. I want to see a lot more. As far as my business in the Medicare space, um, one thing I've kind of been saying a lot, and I have for several years, is my staff. Um, you know, from the receptionist to the girl that handles the claims, they're so important to me. And my goal, I guess, overall goal for them is my bottom tier uh, staff. I want to make a hundred thousand a year. We live in a small town. Our medium income is about 25000 I want to be able to have my staff have a nice life. And if I figure if I can afford to pay every staffer 100000 plus a year, I'm really doing something. And uh, I'll be happy with that.
0: You know, that's interesting that you should say that because um, I was in the process of actually recording a podcast for next week. And it is about money happiness, and success. And one of the things that I found in my research is for you to be successful, you need to help others and not think about the money, but think about helping others. Um, and most successful people are people who are generously helping other people to get their goals and it's the old saying if others if you can help someone else to meet their goals then your goals are definitely going to be met that's very admirable Rebecca Uh, let me um ask you do you have a piece of advice that a mentor or someone who's helped you along the way that's given you that you live by
1: um you know, I've been bounced around a little bit in the Medicare, mostly learning on my own. I had to think on this one, and I have to go back to something. I actually had a coach in high school. I played basketball, and I went on to play college ball. And I had a coach my freshman year really liked this coach, and he used to always say, perfect practice makes perfect. Practice doesn't make perfect, but perfect practice. And I take that to heart. Because you can practice things wrong all day long and it's not going to get you anywhere. You got to practice the right way. And if you practice the right way, then when you go into your appointments and when you have your meetings, you will always be giving the right information because you practice it right. You didn't practice it wrong.
0: Oh, right. That's great. You made me think about my husband and me with golf. He's an avid golfer, and he's a single-digit handicapper. I've never been a single-digit handicapper and probably will never be. But my husband insists that I should practice. And I tell him, but I have this visual in my head, and I know what I should do. And it doesn't make sense for me to go hit a 1,000 golf balls and I'm hitting them wrong and they're not going where I need them to go. If I don't learn how to hit it directly straight and aim at the target and choose the right club, I am still there no matter how long I practice. So I believe that and I am with you on that. That's a great, great statement. Um, I am going to ask you some questions now that will be specific to the Medicare sales your business and the first one is how did you get here
1: well I kind of fell into the business um for years I was in the horse business my family trains cutting horses and I was a competition competitor and a uh, long story short 20 years ago I wrecked my car and kind of ended my career broke my back in nine places And then I was in the retail sales. I ran a lot of retail stores, managers, some big brand name stores and Western stores and stuff. I found myself right after I had my son, um, I was laid up from a C-section, and I was looking at him and I decided I no longer wanted to work retail. I no longer wanted to work till 10, 11 o'clock at night and weekends and holidays. I wanted something that was stable where I could have the time, the family time with my son, and so I just got on the local job searching, and I found a State Farm, and I interviewed and got the job, and you know the rest has kind of been history. So I kind of in a way fell into the business. My son's name is Cannon. He's the whole reason why I even got into the business. So that's why the insurance office name is named Cannonball Insurance with a K. Um, it's really him and his little tiny face that's saying you need to do more. You need to be better. And uh, funny enough, though, (laughs) I traded uh, 10-hour nights to 1 and 2 a.m. nights, especially during open enrollment. (laughs) But the difference is now it's my choice. I'm not just a name on a schedule.
0: Right. It is so good when you're on your own business because you can make your schedule flexible and do those things that need to be done at home or personally, but still be able to accomplish what you need to accomplish in your business. Now, what is there anything that you know today that you wish you had known maybe five years ago, 10 years ago?
1: Oh, heck yes. I wish I knew more about Medicare 10 years ago. Ten years ago, I wasn't even in the business yet. Oh, my gosh. If I would gotten in Medicare when I was, like, 25 or 30, I couldn't even imagine where I'd be at now. I mean, just seeing what we've been able to do in the last four years, 10, 15 years under my belt, oh, my gosh. Um, for any young people that might be listening to this, you know what? Dive in with both feet. This is the best business you can get yourself into, and it's truly an amazing uh, work we do.
0: I've put some statistics out there on our face in our Facebook group, and I'm hoping that our listeners will go and join our private Facebook group. It's called I Sell Medicare Plans. But I put some statistics out there, and I think that um, by 2040, there's expected to be 83 million seniors in the United States. So as the population of seniors, increase, obviously the need for Medicare coverage is still going to grow. So we're in that kind of business where there is a need and there's a growing need. So if we're able to help those Medicare beneficiaries, then we're definitely doing, we're in the right business and we're in it at the right time. What is, what does your typical day look like?
1: My day, well, it starts about 6 a.m. And I get up and get dressed and take my morning medicine. (laughs) I'm at that age. (laughs) And then I get my son up and we get him ready for school and make lunch and things like that. And then I take him to school and drop him off. And I get him to school about 7.30. And then I come straight to the office. Um, We don't actually open the office until 9.00. But from about 7.30 to 9 is kind of my quiet time here at the office where I can either um, work on some personal training for myself, um, listen to things like this, other people's podcasts or information. It's my time to gain knowledge. I also check my emails, have my morning coffee. Um, I just really enjoy that quiet time. It's my time to really kind of get my day going and then nine o'clock you know the phones open up and (laughs) all heck breaks loose and we take walk-ins we have phone calls the staff's here by then and then uh, the office technically closes at five i'm generally here till about with this time of year till about seven as we get closer to open enrollment i'm here till about nine and then during open enrollment i'm probably literally here till midnight or one every day um but there's a lot of stuff now that i have set up at home Um, my husband is real. Uh, big with IT he's got me set up at home now finally well there's a lot of things when I want to pack up out of here early but I still need to get stuff done um, I can then once I, the family time is over dinner's made and son, my son's in bed that I can go back and pull things up at home and finish whatever I need to get done there so that's nice um, my, my typical day is really wrapped around my business and wrapped around my family and that's this is how I live my day-to-day life. It's business and family, or family and business. You know, whichever is more important at the time that day, what's going on. Um, yesterday, we got a call from a, a nurse in a hospital. We have a, a client that's um, on a ventilator, um, needing a heart emergency heart transplant right now. And you know, we spent all day yesterday getting the insurance straight. And, um, and this guy just uh, called us last a week ago. I mean, and all of a sudden now yeah, he's in this kind of need. You know, and so it was all hands on deck yesterday. I pulled all the girls together and, you know, getting his stuff straightened out. So day to day, you never know what the day is going to bring. But the goal is, you know, to meet with people, teach people about Medicare, solve problems. And, you know, at the end of the day, spend some time with your family.
0: Oh, that's wonderful. So would you say, Rebecca, that it is equally as important to be able to service your Medicare clients? as well as selling the Medicare products, that, does that play a big role
1: in what you do in your business? Oh, absolutely. Um, I'm a big believer in keeping the back door shut while you're working the front door, which means that it doesn't do you any good to sell 50 policies a month if you have 20 or 30 walking out the back door because they're not getting service properly or somebody else got a hold of them or they're feeling like they're not important. I think absolutely. it's absolutely equally as important to service as it is to write.
0: Do you, are there any particular things that you do on a consistent basis to help to maintain the customers that you get?
1: Oh yeah, we do all kinds of mailers. We do a quarterly newsletter where we talk about you know what's going on with us. It's personal. And then in the newsletter, we always give, you know, a paragraph of pertinent information and whatever's going on right now and how it might affect them. And then we always close it with how they can reach us and letting them know that we're always here if they need us. Don't hesitate to call. We send out birthday cards, Christmas cards, thank you cards, um, continuing business support cards. Um, we do in-office uh, appreciation events, like we're fixing a plan one for St. Patrick's Day. You know, we're going to have like a green lunch and you know, all our clients are welcome to come and participate and come in for a drawing and things like that. And that's part of that grassroots marketing, just always having something going on to keep your people active with you as much as you are with them.
0: Right. So you mentioned grassroots marketing and that's what this is what this session is about. Would you mind just giving us some information about grassroots marketing, what it is, and how it helps your business, and give our, our listeners some
1: tips, perhaps? Oh, absolutely. I built my business on grassroots marketing, not leads. Um, when I first started, um, left State Farm and started, my husband was in the Navy and was currently deployed. We were spending two ha- incomes, because he had a whole apartment house set up in San Diego, which is not cheap. And then, of course, we have our mortgage and everything here. So I didn't have a whole bunch of free cash to just drop on leads. So I had to figure out how to build a business another way. And that's what I did with grassroots marketing events, Facebook, um, the chamber, all kinds of stuff. So I started out, uh, first I opened up my Facebook page and made it public to start with. Um, People can't get to know you. Nowadays, everybody wants to be on social media and wants to get to know you that way. Well, if your Facebook is private, um, they're not going to be able to know you that way. So I opened up my Facebook and made it public. Most of my customers are friends um, on my Facebook page, and potential customers are also friends on my Facebook page. And then we do events. Um, I did one yesterday, for instance. Here, um, there was 11 different senior facilities, and between senior centers, nursing homes, uh, assisted living facilities, all came together and we did a senior game challenge, which where we hosted, it was uh, like a competition, an indoor competition. I mean, it was hysterical. I mean, things like uh, hungry, hungry hippo, but made out of a table and balls like life-size, not just the kids' camp. And then like <laughs> kind of putt-putt, miniature golf, Uh, just fun things for the seniors to get together to do to get them out and get a mobile there was a trophy involved i would say i think we had about 200 people show up for that yesterday Um, oh wow and then we had a one carrier there at the time when i do events i usually pick a carrier and um have that one carrier display plus i also have a cannonball table displayed, and um in we do an event like that. I've done something else called a nut Strut, which was an all-day event uh, a few years back. And we asked for donations for Meals on Wheels because a lot of people don't realize Meals on Wheels will deliver uh, dog and cat food to the seniors, too, because um, seniors having pets, they have a little uh, better home life and live longer, believe it or not. So oh, I didn't deliver.
0: know that. Yeah, so I'm people, learning something.
1: Thank you. They don't know they deliver that. So we did a mutt strut, which was basically a, a glorified dog show where we had things like longest tail, longest ears, obstacle courses, uh, look like your pet, all these different competitions and invited vendors. We had about 40 vendors that set up um, from local, you know, whether it's Pampered Shift or Sensi or uh, the local veterans organization. And we had a petting zoo. And this was an all-day event. I mean, there was a lot of moving parts to it. You know, care was my carrier for that event. Um, and, uh, you know, we ended up getting a few thousand dollars donated for dog and pet food. And we had a stack of pet food uh, about 10 feet tall um, that all went to the Meals on Wheels people. Um, oh, wonderful. And then, of course, the newspaper came out as a big enough event before paper came out, you know, they took pictures, they did an article. Of course, I took pictures of all the winners. Again, post them on Facebook to get them that recognition, whatever they can see. Um, you know, events like that are just really, really fun. It's fun to see um, the people's faces, the seniors mm-hmm. that came out. Um, in between each one of the little dog acts, we um, we had a list of things we talked about, you know, how a pet could help or we talked about you know blood pressure and the heat or we talked about diabetes and blood sugar and food there was like a little like you know 30 second bleep in between each event about you know something that mattered to them that could help them so it was educational and fun at the same time um, we I mean I they join the chamber, we do ribbon cuttings, we do the chamber events. They do a ho- what they call Holly Jolly here in my town, which is they have a big Christmas thing on the square. We set up a booth for that. They do a Halloween thing, we set up a booth for that. <laughs> I mean, they do 4th of July. We had a, a float in the 4th of July parade, you know. And, I mean, anything in as far as your town, you can get involved in and really get your name plastered somewhere, do it. And then all of that plastering you do, and all those events you do, make sure you upload them to your Facebook page, whether it's your personal page or if you have a business page. I actually have both. I share some, I share most of it on the business page, but then I'll go through and share a little bit on the Facebook, or my personal page too. My personal page isn't all about business. That's more about me getting them getting to know me. But I still throw that in there from time to time to remind them this is what I do. And then I. I highly recommend going out to your doctor's offices, and your dentist's offices. Um, If you're in a bigger city, you got homeless shelters, go to them. It's amazing what people don't know. And you gotta go in with the thought process to educate or to help out. You don't ever wanna go in going, hey, I wanna have an event so I can sell products. You're never going to get in the door. No, no, no. So when you go into senior citizen centers or a doctor's office, a senior center, you don't go in. Hey, I want to give a Medicare 101. They're gonna laugh at you because you're like the 14th agent that day.
0: <laughs> you Absolutely. gotta go in and
1: be like, Hey, um, I see you have birthdays once a month, or you have exercise classes. Um, do you need help with any of that, or is there something else that's not on the calendar that you need help with? They'll eat that up and they'll invite you in open arms. Once you start getting rapport there that you're there to help, you're, you're not just there to sell, you're there to help, you're truly invested. Then they will give you the floor to have those Medicare one-on-ones and those meetings. When you go to dental offices and doctor's office, you know, go in there to educate. Most of them, especially the dentists, they have no idea, like a lot of these Medicare Advantage plans, you know, that have the dental and it's actually a PPO network. You can go anywhere you want to as long as they <laughs> accept you're willing to bill it and they don't even realize what kind of benefits they have. You can go show them the benefits and you know what's going on, and, or if they have a low-income person, Medicaid, that Medicaid doesn't cover dental, let them know there's a plan that they can get on that has dental. I mean, you build that relationship. I mean, and the same with the doctor's offices. You know, Medicare changes all the time. Their, their business is to treat, not to follow what Medicare is doing. So you go to the doctor's offices and keep them informed on the changes, and when you go to these places, you know, bring a goodie bag, bring a gift basket full of snacks or something. you got to get past the gatekeeper. How do you get past the gatekeeper? You rule. It's a really little different than the date.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Rebecca, you have spent some time and some effort in, in getting the building these relationships. And what you've done in grassroots marketing is you started it right in your own community. And what you've done in Stevensville, and if I remember, I actually was in Texas for about five years uh, as a Medicare sales manager. And it sounds to me, if I'm remembering correctly, is Stevensville in Ellis County?
1: No, it's in Erath County. It's um, between Abilene and
0: uh, Fort Worth. Oh, okay. Because I think I've been there at some point, and when I was. In Texas, I actually was responsible for Ellis and Dallas County. So I've been through there, obviously, because I think I know where it, where it is. But what you've done in your grassroots marketing is work right in your own community. And what you've done is made yourself known to all of the entities, not just the the seniors or the Medicare beneficiaries, but now the people who actually serve and provide the care for those Medicare beneficiaries know who you are. That's the grassroots marketing, connecting all of the dots, connecting the people with the services and the services with the benefits. So you know They all know who you are and what the benefits are that you can offer to the people that they service. So it's like a partnership. I think that's fantastic. And it sounds like you've done a marvelous job of finding creative ways to pull all of that together. Now, at some point, I'm sure you and your agents have faced some challenges. What might have been some of the challenges that you faced and how did you overcome those?
1: Well, yeah, there's lots of challenges throughout your career. I think you don't, you never quit stumbling upon them. Some of them are easier fixes than others. But I think one of the biggest challenges initially is having those clients that don't take their health seriously, or their health insurance seriously, rather. And what I mean by that is when you got when you're sitting with a client, in And we'll take affordability out of the picture here. Let's say they can afford whatever you're showing them. And they're so hung up on an extra benefit, let's say dental or vision, that they're not looking at the health clearly. I mean, I'm all for the extra benefits, the dental, the vision, the hearing. Believe me, that's what sells the plans these days. But there is many times, and we're not allowed to say because, we, you know, we got to do what the client wants to do. All we can do is teach them and show them the products and, you know, and try to explain so, so they understand it the best. But I see it time and time again, somebody buying a plan strictly on the dental. I mean, they're not taking any account on the max amount of pockets of their co-pays when they end up in the hospital. And I think that's a huge mistake. And we try really hard to educate and reiterate and go over it. So they truly understand that but I still see it and it amazes me and then you know six months a year later You get a call, you know, because they end up in the hospital And now they're upset because they have this bill and it's like but you try to explain it and you explain it and explain it But all they were so hung up on that dental benefit (laughs) Um, I really think that's a huge challenge and I see it even because we do under 65 health too. I see it there too, you know people that actually make a lot of money and you know they're griping over a six hundred dollar a month payment for their family you know they're making four hundred thousand dollars a year but they're saying they can't afford six hundred dollars a month to insure their family but yet at the same time if they have after have have open heart surgery that six hundred dollars a month is cheap and they can afford it i, ju- I just don't understand that i'm, I'm accident prone myself i've been in the hospital multiple times <laughs> for different things i know how expensive those hospital bills can get and the, I, Our job is to assess risk and take the risk out of it for them. When when certain clients won't let us do our job properly, it's hard. That is
0: a challenge. And because that challenge comes directly from the customer, it may, it does make it difficult for the agent. But as an agent who does a prudent job, it is our responsibility to educate them, go over it more than one time, point out the importance of the benefit itself. And we can't always help them or enable them to always look at price. It really is our responsibility. It's like a fiduciary responsibility to make sure that they understand the benefits and how the benefits work. And I'm sure that you do some training for your agents to make sure that that's the way things are carried out. And of course, we all have to be compliant with Medicare standards and the carrier's standards, so we have those, um, I guess, templates that we must work from, and at the end of the day, make sure that the customer understands what they're getting and why they've chosen the plan that they have. Um, would you say that, as we are nearing our wrap-up here, if what's one thing that I could do? to help my Medicare business today?
1: One thing you could do to help your Medicare business? Well, in my experience, especially with new agents, it's fear. And you gotta to learn to get over the fear of rejection and getting out there. If you can get over the fear and go to those doctor's offices and go to those uh, nursing homes and go to the senior centers and approach the chamber, or if you're a leads guy and you are from home, then pick up the phone and dial and dial and dial. You know, you got to get over that fear. But believe me, once you get over that fear, I think the rest honestly is downhill. you get over the fear, you start dialing, and you start getting out there, and you start seeing progress. And the minute you start seeing progress, then it starts to build and bombard. And, you know, three months from now, all of a sudden, you know, you're – your calendar's booked and and that's what we all strive is to have a full calendar but you got to put the work in and I think what hinders most ages it's not so much being lazy or not wanting to work they have a fear in a wall built up they got to knock that wall down and get over that fear
0: thank you so much Rebecca you have been such a you, it, you've given us so much insight into grassroots marketing, into your business and how it started, and into yourself, your care and your concern for your business and your family. It has really been a pleasure talking to you today. My, the my, one mantra that I live by is, if there is no opportunity, create one. Is there a mantra that you live by? Well,
1: that's very similar to mine. Mine is, if you build it, they will come. Ah,
0: (laughs) well, thank you so much. Thank you so very, very much. If you will stand by, this has been Faye Horton, and I've been with Rebecca Davis of Cannonball Insurance Solutions today. We've talked about grassroots marketing. I want to welcome you all listeners And thank you for listening to our podcast, I Sell Medicare Plans. And I am not going to be afraid to ask you to share this podcast with others, share it with people who are in the Medicare sales business, share it with those who are thinking of coming into the Medicare sales business, because we're here to help you to have a successful business. Thank you so very, very much.